Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. That's ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Again, that's ebaymotors.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Hey everybody, happy Friday. I know you're not used to seeing me here on a Friday, but we had stuff to do yesterday and then that stuff ended up not getting done. And I will say, really quick, it's my bad. I am going to eat that. I know nobody else is going to say it, but it was on me. Fightful Awards didn't happen yesterday. That's on me. I I am going to take full responsibility for that. They are rescheduled to next Thursday at... uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and that'll be on January 19th. And of course, I said that Day After Dynamite was delayed for the Fightful Awards, (laughs) and that ended up not happening, so pretty much the show kind of got delayed for no reason. Uh, There was reason, though. But welcome to a Friday edition of Day After Dynamite. You can call it Day After Day After Dynamite. I am Will Washington. Not alone here, though. Also with me is the one and only... Righteous Reg. It's me. It's your boy, Media Man, your favorite rapper, your favorite writer, your favorite podcaster. Two days out from being at Dynamite Live. Very exciting stuff here, Will Washington. A lot went on. Some returns, some amazing matches. Hot, super hot crowd. Los Angeles came to, I mean, I wasn't really surprised, but Los Angeles really came to play because they want to show. Los Angeles is always like, we have something to prove, so when you come, we're going to make sure you're going to come back because we showed you this time. Yeah, they're saying your mic is super low again, so I don't know. It might be the settings in... It might might be the StreamYard setting, though, so check that as well um, and raise the volume. I hate you. I want you guys to uh, not be the worst. Yes. Uh, Mr. StreamYard, I hate you. It's just one person, just Mr. Streamyard. All right. Yo, so, yo, 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 check, check, check. Rap, rap, rap. I'm a rapper. How's that? Um, I don't know. 
I guess, folks, you have to tell us. Is, is he still low? I, I can't tell because I don't know where I am. Like, I can hear him, but he's the only person I have to hear. If Phil was here, if this were Grapp City, I could be like, okay, I have a baseline to compare him to. I don't have that right now. All I have is, uh, let's see. And he says, Will is loud, Reg is low. What if I balance this out? What if I bring myself Jesus down? Because I'm at like 200. So, all right. Yo, what if yo, I bring myself Okay, I brought myself down as well, so let's see if this at least balances things out. How about that, folks? Hey, so, uh, now I know what you're thinking. Like, we have two out of three of the City members here. How are you guys going to even, like, do a show tomorrow? I'll tell you why, because there's a lot to talk about tomorrow. A whole lot. Are you kidding me? A shit ton of stuff happened this week. So I figure, look, Reg was at Dynamite this week, and so I would like to kind of pick Reg's brain about being at the forum i almost went i was so close to going and you know what's funny is the thing that stopped me from going was the fightful awards that ended up not oh happening oh my so... god <laughs> jesus christ so oops i i, <laughs> I probably could have gone uh and okay so now they're saying there's an echo god damn it reg do me one quick favor Click the echo cancellation uh, in the audio settings, and then I think that'll set us up for uh, How's success. That better? Much better. Yes, echo cancellation's off. All right. Ooh. We're good. We're good. So I wanted to pick Reg's brain about this show, about being at the forum. How was the drive down there? Uh, it was a six-hour drive for anybody that's uh, curious on how long it takes to get from Oakland down to Los Angeles. And uh, it's a dedic- it's a dedication, Will Washington. Like if you if you like pro wrestling, like at the end of this is the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega versus Pac and the Lucha Bros. That's what's at the end of the six hours. So that's like the driving motivation. But driving there sucks, man. But I mean, I kind of like driving. But six hours of driving in the car wasn't too bad though. Not a lot of traffic. Uh, left at a good time. Got there and it was like probably like 3.30. So they were already letting people in to the forum. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said before, this is the first time I've been back to the forum since 1997. I went to go watch the Lakers there in 1997. So this is a, a cool trip down memory lane. Hell yeah. No, I, uh, so it's funny. I was just talking with Denise about like travel plans to uh, Revolution and She's like not sure if she's going to be flying to uh, out of L.A. to San Francisco because like right now flights are kind of cheap for that weekend. And so mm-hmm. it's like, is it going to cost less than gas to just like fly? Um, and because she was like, I'm considering driving, but that's a long ass drive. And so I was like partially considering making the drive with her, like flying into L.A. and then. It, but then you saw how cheap my flight was, and I'm like, no yeah, way. Cheap. Yeah, no way. Zero percent. <laughs> yeah, you saw. <laughs> I literally, I, I mean, I no, for that what flight, that flight is like a hot dog and a soda at 7 Eleven. Like, that's how <laughs> I know. Like, literally, I could probably like pull my couch apart and scrape enough and have paid for the entirety of this flight <laughs> to San Francisco. It was that cheap. And so I thought, no, no way, no way I'm missing out on flying to San Francisco. It's a very, very cheap flight. So I will be at Revolution. Um, that's confirmed. Yeah, baby. It's the weekend before Reg's birthday. So 
it's it's going to be a lit kind of weekend. I mentioned that I did want to go to West Coast Pro. I, I will be at West Coast Pro. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to follow Reg's lead on all of that, but yeah, it's going to be an exciting time. Uh, what I do want to let people know, though, is that this show, much like every show here on Fightful, we read your super chats, we read your humper chats. Uh, humperchats.com is the way to send us a humper chat. You can send those at any time. Just make sure you're identifying what show they're for. Uh, and then also make sure to send us your super chats. That's youtube.com slash fightful. And during the show, send us a super chat, donate a super chat to help support the show, helps us continue to do what we do. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of questions coming in. There was actually one that was for the fightful post show that didn't get read. And I did promise I would read that one um for the dynamite post show but let's see this one's from uh lord zypher i'm pretty sure i'm saying that correctly because how else could you say that but he says uh been asking questions lately about revolution since i will be there uh that being said what does the returning adam cole do at revolution i could see him going after either of the men's singles titles that are not held by mjf i don't think he's there yet i think he needs a singles feud that doesn't include a belt now uh because i think you could put him toward the title uh later in the year i think right. he definitely set himself up as a in a babyface role and i think there's there's ways to do it but i don't think he needs to go for a title right now and i say that because mjf there's money in that feud and mjf is already tied up with brian danielson right i think darby is kind of hot right now as a babyface. i think he right. should probably be paired with a a solid heel i think you know i think that should be the payoff to the book of Hobbs stuff is Darby versus Powerhouse Hobbs. That's my feeling. And it goes back to, I believe, if I remember correctly, Tony has told the story of the first match he ever agented himself, and it was Darby Allen versus Will Hobbs. Mm. And uh, which I've always found interesting because, like, I had a big laugh about that, right? Uh, so for people who follow, uh, anything that Jim Cornette does, which I try to do very little of, but it's hard to avoid sometimes. But there was one time that I came across this clip. It just came, came across my feed, and it was Jim Cornette's thoughts on Darby Allen versus Will Hobbs. And you know how much Jim Cornette is always like, Tony Khan doesn't know anything. He doesn't know anything about the wrestling business, blah, 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 right? And so I opened this clip. I swear to God, go watch this clip. But watch it with the context of knowing that Tony Khan agented that match. And Jim Cornette is like, now this is how you put together a wrestling match. And he's like talking about it as if, it, like, he's like, they finally did something right on this damn program. And all I'm thinking is, he is completely unaware that this was actually a match Tony put together himself. Because it was a quick match. It was a very quick match in which basically Hobbs, like, was manhandling Darby. But Darby caught him with a uh, kind of a flash pin kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so Hobbs still got to look good, but Darby won that match. It's very short. That's so funny. I, I remember that the big homie hit me and he was like, I heard that Corny says something nice about me. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's funny though, because like I said, that match like Jim praised it, but uh I think to this day that man was fully unaware that he praised the match that 
uh, a guy that he has gone on record saying multiple times. I mean, because we're going to talk about uh, one piece of this. Uh, I, I just I thought that was a funny thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we got Van Twinblade said, remember, Will, it's Adam Cole Bebe. It's like a tribe called Quest. You got to say the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> also, how about the Curry Man slash Dad, Dad the Dan match at Glory Pro? You don't have to say the whole thing for a tribe called Quest. You could just say tribe. Yeah, that's true. That that's actually a fact. <laughs> so, but yes, he is Adam Cole, baby. Uh, Luis says, "How likely are AEW Women's Tag Championships by Double or Nothing? They seem to be pairing off now and setting the foundation for a division. I very much feel they're setting the foundation for a division. Um, I don't know how soon they pull the trigger on the belts. Um, Tony has been." known for just kind of like commissioning titles and then kind of sitting on them. I know that the like the All Atlantic Championship was a belt they had had since like the pandemic. Um and it was just a matter of when they were ready to unleash that belt on the world. Uh the Trio Styles was the same thing, right? Yeah, t- Trio Styles they had those like in a drawer for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I imagine this is just my hunch uh that I I imagine they've probably had women's tag titles made for a while. That's that's my gut feeling on that. That knowing how because Cody talked about it. Cody talked about wanting to see a women's tag division before seeing trios titles. That was a thing right. Cody specifically said. And so I'd imagine knowing that an EVP said that at the time that that was probably something they had commissioned. I would bet you probably around the time of the. Um, that women's tag tournament from 2020, that that was probably something that they were talking about. Uh, the issue, of course, was that they didn't really have any full-time tag teams, but a few came, uh, one specific one came out of that ta- tournament, right? It was uh, Ty J. Ty J mm-hmm. didn't exist. They talked about how they didn't even know each other before that tournament, but they became close friends out of it. And so, uh, but yeah, I, I hear you speaking of uh, Ty J saw a bit of a banger to end Rampage. Uh, I'm not going to, Spoil no spoilers, the, mm-hmm. no spoilers, but I hear it was really good. Um, at oh, least so yeah. the I didn't hear that from anybody in the crowd, by the way. I heard that from, from backstage. I heard mm-hmm. from people who were there behind the scenes saying that people were kind of crowded around watching it, and basically there was like kind of a round of applause when everybody got backstage. So and they got the main event right. Mm-hmm. The whole show, the entire show, was the last match of the whole show. Uh, Ruby right. had Ruby had that like, I'm that person. I'm that I'm that wrestler performance here in this match. And also Ty Ty is like she gets caught up in Sammy Guevara bullshit a lot and often just because she's with him. But she can really fucking go when it's time to go. All these women did it. I don't want to spoil anything, you guys. Just watch it tonight. It's really good. Uh, yeah, like I said, I've heard really good things about that main event and uh, the fact that, yeah, they got to go last at the uh, at the forum is is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Ruby and Britt got the main event at Grand Slam, the first one, but that wasn't the main event for the night, right? Like that was right. the main event for Dynamite, but if you were there, Rampage taped right after. So that was just, we had more matches after that. That was just the last thing people saw live. But right. this was the main event, period. This was the last thing. And that go. I feel like in California, that goes further, right? Because 
you know, Rampage starts at seven o'clock for you guys. <laughs> like this isn't right. on the on the East Coast where Rampage is kicking off at uh, eleven p.m. Uh, mm. This is or ten p.m. kicking off at ten p.m. and like it's still super late by the time you're getting out of the show on the East Coast, mm-hmm. which I've done being in New York. It is after midnight and everybody's just tired trying to go home. No, y'all, got, you guys got out in the eight o'clock hour. What is that? That doesn't even compute to me. <laughs> I seriously was thinking that when I was at the show, because like I was like, damn, these shows are pretty long, like with the dark matches, plus the dynamite, plus the rampage, plus another dark match. We're here for like five hours or so. We ended up getting out at like closer to nine. And I was thinking like, that must be brutal for when they're doing double tapings over on the East Coast. Getting out of here after midnight, people are exhausted. They probably went to work that day. Like, there's so many factors. It's just a regular Wednesday, like, you know what I mean? It's not usually the weekend. Like, it's a lot. I know. Dynamite starts at 8 o'clock on the East Coast. And just thinking about how those Dynamite, Dynamite Rampage tapings in the Eastern time zone are rough. And I have done those pretty much. Let me see. I've done one on the East. I've done one Central. I've done one mountain. Only place I've never done a dynamite. Yes, I have. I did because uh, Vegas. I've yeah. done them in all time zones. Mm-hmm. And I will say those West Coast ones, look, especially in the summertime, you get out of it. Sun is still out. What is it's this? Still out. <laughs> <laughs> you go outside, you're like, damn, I still got some day to go. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so that that's great. Um, but I guess check out Rampage tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Chad722 says, percentage on Mercedes still going to AEW later. Um, we got to retire the percentages at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to talk about all of that, right? Um, I mean, I, I'll say this. I think it would be very difficult for her to not work AEW at some point. And I say that because she, of course... Is New Japan talent. Yeah. AEW does have a working relationship with New Japan, and not just a working relationship, a major pay-per-view that they put on every... I mean, they said they're going to start doing it every year. It's going to be an annual thing. They did last year, big pay-per-view, Forbidden Door, United Center, Chicago, AEW versus New Japan. I don't know how you do it this time around, without her uh i don't know how you can sell the idea championship that she potentially is gonna have too you know yeah i I don't know how you do it so i i I see it in the future but as far as her signing a deal i don't i don't know um i've like it you could see my percentage lowering i has the thing all right i'll address this elephant right now so i (laughs) i my only regret in all the percentages was going 100. That was a mistake, right? Because uh, my feeling at that point. Yeah, I was like, what gave you that 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 thing inside you, like right before the show to be like, it's 100? Was it just a feeling inside or something? Like that? Yeah, and that was a week ago, by the way, right? But I said after they picked Tony Storm, I was like, oh, um, and my it started to drop, right? And I, I said... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm at about 60 right before the show. People were asking, and I was like, okay, I'm like 55. Uh, I'm still leaning toward it just because I'm like, I don't understand why you would drop the hints. Not just the hints. I don't even think the hint was the worst part, honestly. I think, because I keep seeing people going back to, well, why did you have Britt Baker drop the, the boss line? I don't think that was the worst part. 
to me, it was the lack of confidence in the Tony Storm pick. Do you remember how, like, if you, they had had Soraya, like, in an in-ring segment and, like, my partner's going to be Tony Storm and, like, really have some confidence in it and, and really sell the moment, I think that would have gone further. But the, the way they did it of having this kind of awkward backstage segment of Soraya turning away from Sheeta and going, it's Tony Storm. I pick you. Mm-hmm. And then having, and then doing a close-up zoom in on Renee Paquette's face, and Renee goes, "What?" And then doing a close-up on Sheeta's face, and Sheeta's like, "What the fuck?" And so I feel like they didn't necessarily put a whole lot of confidence in Tony Storm as a pick, and so that's where I felt like, okay, you haven't even like put a whole lot behind this being a certainty in the match. And I think that that was leading me toward coming out of Dynamite. I was feeling like, okay, something is telling me that this is like a bait and switch. It's got to be. And then coming out of Rampage, that's where I was like, well, they didn't address that at all. And then I watched Road 2, and Road 2 is like, yeah, it's, it's Tony Storm. All the graphics are like, yeah, it's Tony Storm. There's literally no question. It's Tony Storm. And that's where I'm like, okay, I no longer feel like it's changing. I think it's Tony Storm. And, uh, but I have a lot of questions about, so me and Sean, Sean was on the show last week and Sean talked about how he felt like this is a gigantic self-inflicted wound if it's not Mercedes, because there were multiple places to shut that down. Mm -hmm. Um, There are multiple places to kind of instill the confidence in the idea that it's just going to be somebody on the roster that, Mm -hmm. uh, Again, managing expectations. We had Tony Khan on in the interview. Literally, Phil led off with not being in the business of disappointing people before he asked that question. Right. So I still have questions about whether or not what we saw Wednesday was the actual plan. Let me tell you how fucked up this whole thing is, Will Washington. I don't remember the finish of the match because I was so – like, still – because I was so focused and all of us were focused on, is she coming? This match is going to be over. Then she's going to come, right? I don't remember the finish of the match. And that's fucked up for the four of those women, especially Tony Storm. Five, because it actually involved Sheeta. Um, because she yeah, to- yeah, yeah. Yeah, tossed in the kendo stick and, uh, and then Britt ends up grabbing it and clocking uh, Tony Storm with it. Right, right. Yeah, so Tony Storm, who carried your women's division for a long time and for everything, including what you're saying, Will Washington, to get to that is very unfortunate. And then, yeah, they blanked. It was the craziest coincidence of all time. Right after the match is over, they turn off all the lights, and we're all like, yeah, and then it's just for like three seconds, and then they turn back on (laughs) to a promo, and we're like, no, oh, yeah. (sighs) Awful timing, awkward all around. Very awkward. Yeah. So either way, look, I I, I admitted that first off, with the admission comes the fact that because I see people dunking on it like, hey, you can't trust these wrestling media people. You can't trust these wrestling insiders, right. blah, blah, blah. I could have sworn I said multiple times I had no inside information on that, that I was everything I was saying was based on reading the tea leaves and just 
the kind of intuition on it all. I thought, you know, again, I did hear from somebody in the company, but what I said on that was that the person told me back in December that I don't see Tony Khan booking a match a month and or a month and some change. I said five weeks out. I don't see Tony Khan booking a match five weeks out without having something up his sleeve. And that was what I was told back then. This that was it. That was all I ever got on that. That person didn't know either, but they felt like, nah, you don't book a match five weeks out without there being some kind of surprise or some kind of plan for that. And look, some people still kind of feel that way. Some people are uh, a lot of people were pointing out. I see it all over Twitter today. Uh, Tony Storm kind of boo boo facing the her entrance, um, and I, I don't know what that was about. My feeling on it is probably that she kind of knew, like, all right, I'm being sent to the wolves now. Here we go. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but I think it, I, but, is what changed everything. Her coming out and then them immediately announcing that she's going to be the main event of this show in February, that they sold out. They sold out of the show. Everybody's super into it. New Japan was probably like, yo, we want the first Mercedes match in America. We want the first full match out of WWE. We want them rights. We don't want you guys to just have a little what they might consider a throwaway tag match on Dynamite. You know what I mean? Like, we want all the rights to Mercedes because we got the property first. So if anything goes wrong, we get the first everything. That's what I think happened. But, I mean, it could honestly be anything. Could be the stories that we're hearing of Mercedes not like she's worth a lot of money, man. Like they could also, as crazy as it sounds, feel like that she's not worth the money that she's offering, that she's wants. Right. You know? Um, Danny says, Maybe Mercedes isn't interested in working for a company that treats its women's division worse than the one she walked out on. Uh one match a week, not to mention uh working for TK after how he treated Swole. Um so again, uh talk to people in that division as far as that's concerned because i don't think they necessarily agree with all of that um i think that look the one match a week thing we uh we asked tony about and i do find that interesting because i think that uh there's there's a way to strike a balance with that because to me i would go for the i i if i were booking two women's matches at least i'd kind of go for one kind of shorter one um almost just like a showcase uh either a sprint or a squash and one like longer match um and the reason i say that is because proportionately um you've got to make up i mean it's got to be proportionate for time right that ultimately aew doesn't have as big of a women's roster as it has men's like it's not even close uh and so just proportionately based on the wrestlers you have that it, but i do think that the, like when i watched last week's rampage and um battle of the belts back to back i was like this is perfect this is the perfect formula for how to do two women's matches you had Britt baker and um and jamie Hayter versus the renegade twins that was a shorter match it was a bit of a sprint but i feel like they did their thing it was over we got that right and then later on in the night we had a longer match between jade and sky blue and i thought that strikes kind of the balance of being able to um, put forth two women's stories and having a uh in having like the thing is aew prides itself and structures itself on telling its stories and presenting its 
talent through matches. So right. that is the quota that people are going to look at for how you're presenting as much of a division as you can. How many matches are they getting? Or are they getting? So in the case of the women's division, yeah, they're not getting um, enough matches to feel presentationally represented. Um, and I can see that, right? It's two matches over three hours. Um, when you look at Dynamite and uh, and Rampage. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then as far as the, the Swole thing, um, I mean, you didn't see a whole lot of backup on that. Like, we, you know, of course, we did our biggest podcast ever when we talked about that. Um, and there's... There was mixed feelings as far as all of that was concerned. So again, I don't know if that's just kind of a blanket thing um, as far as how, whether or not that played a factor in where Mercedes was going to go. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I, I hate that I these women's good. division is good. They just, I, I hate that people say the division is bad. It's not bad. It's just, they don't get enough time. That's pretty much it. Because when you watch the matches, they're all good. Like, it's not yeah. about, like, we have to separate it's not good between that and they don't get enough time. Because it's really about not them getting them not getting enough time. Because it's all good. They have great wrestlers. Athena's killing it. I want to see Athena and Jamie Hayter wrestle so bad. That shit would be amazing. That's like my dream match right now. You know what I mean? Right. Um. And so, and yeah, I, I think that as the division continues to build. And... That you know what's interesting. Last year there were a lot of signings, and granted, I think some good ones did come out of the um, the WWE releases, right? Like you got Swerve out of that, you got Keith Lee out of that. Um, but as I look at the landscape of AEW right now, the best signings that Tony was able to pull last year, the ones that he got the most out of, to me were the independent signings the ones right. that um and i do think that's really interesting right like signing to keshita i think has gone a long way for him um yes. even signing Danhausen has gone a long way signing willow yes. nightingale has gone a long way and i think that um i'm wondering if there is going to be kind of a change in philosophy around that as the the years go on that like yeah it, it was good to sign a guy like adam cole um but on the other side of that, has Andrade worked out? Has he worked out any better than signing Bandito? Um, and so, or signing Roosh, right? Like, Roosh and Bandito have kind of worked out a little bit better in that sense and just kind of been being tied to uh, Andrade for the time they've been. But, uh, you know, Andrade likely commanded a higher price tag, but as a result, came with some issues. And I can't help but wonder what the signing philosophy is going to be going forward now, knowing what AEW has been able to get out of the lesser known names than what they got out of the bigger names last year. Damn, dude, that sounds so cool to hear. You just breaking that down. How much I love independent wrestling, and for you to be like, damn, the independent wrestlers are doing great. That's like amazing. I mean, Dan Housen, the number one merch seller, like, these, these are like people told Dan Housen he shouldn't do this gimmick on the independence. They told him he's stupid, he's dumb for all this shit, and look what happened. And like, mm-hmm. I think it just goes to show that you could develop yourself for wrestlers, you could develop yourself on the independence, and you might be able to continue to be that person forever. So, like, hone in on that shit, man. And also, but I'm looking at independent wrestling, baby. 
Yeah, I'm looking at everybody they signed last year uh, because I see, of course, you know, they signed um, because like Jeff Hardy didn't really work out. Um, You know, Buddy Matthews almost walked. Uh, Samoa Joe worked out for sure. But like, I feel like they're getting some mileage out of um, AR Fox, right? Like there's uh, (laughs) there's mileage coming from AR Fox. Um, You know, they got a moment out of Action Andretti and signing him. Mm-hmm. And that's right. Wheeler Yuta was technically officially all elite just last year. Yeah. Whereas like a William Regal, you got a good story out of him for sure. You got a faction out of it, but he went back. And uh, so I don't know. Um, it, it It is interesting, right? That I wonder, you know, some were even saying last year, there was a lot of talk about how Brody King ended up being kind of the, the one they got the most use out of out of the House of Black in all of the signings. You know, they've gotten to do Brody King versus Darby and Brody King versus Moxley and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like and Brody King was the one of the three that wasn't over there. Yep. It's kind of interesting, right? Like, mm-hmm. I do think that this last year is has been kind of telling as far as what well, and, and as far as what that's about. I don't know. I don't know what the exact cause of that kind of is. You know, there were some people, you know, the Observer talked about how there's a little bit of an attitude with WWE signees that they kind of feel like, hey, I've been to the big dance. So right. uh, so I I know a lot more than you guys do. And uh, I don't know. I, I, it's 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 an interesting time. I'll just I'll say that uh, we. Another story to talk about, speaking of which, and this is a story that uh, um, you know this isn't happening. All right. But <laughs> this is so EVP, silly. We'll watch EVP it. of Talent Relations Head of Creative says, how soon until WWE is all elite? Come on. Yeah, come on, man. Come on, man. There's no chance that shit is happening. No fucking way. There's zero. 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 Like, you want my percentages? You ready for it? Zero. Not happening. Um, I would... I don't know. It needs to be something that I'm, like, halfway willing to do. Because I was like, I'd eat shit on this podcast, but no, I fucking wouldn't. No. (laughs) Because, man, if it just randomly happened, I'd be like... Bottoms up, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nah. no, no, honestly, um, the oh, I just realized somebody left Satnam Singh off the list. Of, I guess he signed in 2021, he just didn't debut till 2022. That's right. Mm. Um, but anyway, so look, it's not happening. Uh, there's a number of reasons why I don't believe it's happening. Like, obviously, I do a show where I review All Elite Wrestling, and I know people in All Elite Wrestling, and I think uh, what AEW has been able to accomplish these last few years is remarkable, and of the shows I watch, and I watch a lot of pro wrestling. I've been watching a lot of pro wrestling for the last 35 years. I will say, Dynamite is the show that, by the end of it, I'm still the most satisfied with, and uh, that's why I do this show here. That said, AEW is an extremely small operation. They even they would say that themselves. I know people were getting kind of offended when CNBC said, um, 
WWE smaller rival AEW, and they were like, oh, you know, I, and I feel like even people were kind of digging in on that, like, yeah, see, they called them smaller. I mean, it's because they're literally smaller in every yeah. aspect. They don't have nearly the amount of people working at a taping. If you've seen the backstage atmosphere at either show, um, they don't have the same amount of people. Like, it's a smaller company. It's a startup. They say that all the time. Tony Khan refers to AEW as a startup because it is a startup. Um, and this is not a gigantic corporation, which is also interesting because when I hear people compare the two and they're like, hey, don't support these big corporations. AEW is not a big corporation. Uh, it is funded uh, It is funded well. It is not funded like WWE. So I said all that to say that managing the two of these things is a colossally different beast aew is tv shows and yep. and uh it's it's a professional wrestling company wwe is a sports entertainment mega company and i don't mean that in the like corporate sense of like using their jargon i mean like their toes are in a lot of different pools and it is a massive massive company this like because i've seen people say like oh you know i i would love to see both companies under tony khan and it's like well again we're not talking about the same thing <laughs> like I, I i one day i'm sure aew would hope to be a bigger company i don't think they want to go to the level wwe eventually got to where it was almost like too big to to manage itself like mm -hmm. they got to a point of where doing so many things in that company have to go through so much red tape now because it's just such a big ass company there's right. so much going on at, at any point that um again we're not talking about the same things i don't think there is a chance that that happens when we say WWE is like Disney, that's real. You know what I mean? And AEW yeah. is like Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> <laughs> Knott's Berry Farm can't buy Disney, dude. It's like Knott's Berry Farm is probably getting money and they're doing it, but they can't buy Disney, dude. It's different. It's and look, honestly, other than like some of the fights you see on TikTok and shit, which I guess is fitting, actually. But I was going to say Knott's Berry Farm. I love Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> like, I think like Knott's Berry it, Farm is the black people's uh, when they couldn't afford to go to Disneyland, you go to fucking Knott's Berry Farm. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's honestly... Mm -hmm. I love Knott's Berry Farm. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, I have great childhood memories going to Knott's Berry Farm. Mm -hmm. I even... When I... Look, I'm obviously a product of the 90s. I collected Knott's Berry Farm pogs, all right? Like, I... I remember I wanted to go to Knott's Berry Farm so I could get the the, the Charlie Brown Pogs. Um, and this is a dope time. I'm sure Caden in the chat has no idea what a Pog is. No, and no I'm not talking about P-A-W-G. I'm talking about P-O-G. You might know what the Pogs are, though. Yes. <laughs> not the Pogs. The Pogs, but not the Pogs. Right. Uh, and so... The that's <laughs> very funny. Shit. 
Am I lying, Will? Am I lying? I mean, look, that's very far is dope, right? But like, also, you've seen the videos on social media of people getting in fights at Knott's Berry Farm. Um, <laughs> uh, so, anyway, I don't think it's happening. Uh, as far as who I think is going to buy WWE, um, I know the the Saudi story got shut down. There's a piece of me that believes there's smoke to that fire. Uh, and there's little pieces of evidence that are pointing to the fact that it is highly in consideration. I don't think it was as much of a false story this week as much as uh, people jumped the gun on it being a done deal. There's no way it was going to be done that fast. And but like Stephanie McMahon, like that's probably like the biggest. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. And I had um, uh, like, again, like shout out to everybody who who posted about that. I checked the feed. I I refrained. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna stay away from this one because this is too big. Like one, I own WWE stock. All right. Like this is one of those things that I feel like uh, I would have been at least halfway solicited on <laughs> if there were like any inklings of that kind of information. Because um, I know that as an owner of i own stock in spirit airlines right and spirit airlines is of course being purchased by JetBlue. JetBlue solicited the fuck out of me right like um jet is like hey we would like to buy your stock for 30 dollars a share and <laughs> i thought damn i paid 12 bucks for this fuck yes uh so i feel like there's there's little pieces of that and uh Bro said pogs and slammers. I've seen that one. That is hilarious. And uh, and no, that, what? A... So suplex media in the chat saying there's no way you would have been solicited unless you own a, a literal percentage. And that's not what I meant as far as like uh, the the conversation. Obviously, being a part of that conversation. No, I don't believe that. What I mean though is that there's certain details that um, for something of this magnitude of like, hey, we're gonna be essentially as the story went the story was that they were going to go private right like there's mm-hmm. little information about that that i think would have been made a little more privy to stockholders um that wasn't and i don't think for as much as people were talking about it being a done deal right and like that was where i'm like i'm not going to comment on this i need to see a little bit more and i uh i Backed off. I didn't say a single word about it. And I woke up the next morning and sure enough, everybody is uh, shutting it down. Um, and so the, uh, but that's not to say that I don't believe there's smoke to that fire. I think that right. that's definitely at least a conversation that's been had, but I think that people jump the gun on getting that out there. Uh, you know, what's interesting. I see people kind of tossing Disney around as, you know, a potential buyer. And maybe Disney is wanting to get deeper in that field than I believe they are. But you know what's interesting? Disney, that's a different beast for for Disney, right? Um, Disney has never been in the business of producing... Like, you have to think about what professional wrestling is. Professional Mm -hmm. wrestling is fictional. Um, It is, uh, let me put it this way. It is a scripted 
weekly live television series with instant feedback from a live audience. Professional wrestling is such a different beast than every other form of entertainment media out there. And that's something that Disney has never been in the business of, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's um, of producing a televised weekly show. Like, they don't necessarily have a platform for that. Everything they do is seasonal other than, like, and even still, as I say that out loud, that's seasonal, too. Everything Disney does is seasonal. Having WWE kind of just be a fully operational entity, 52 weeks a year, fictional content that tours the country, runs in front of live audiences. Um, I It'd be interesting to know if Disney was interested in getting into that field because mm-hmm. nothing else Disney does touches that. Like right. Disney buying Star Wars, right? Like that's in their wheelhouse. So, you know, producing a couple Star Wars TV shows, movies a year, that was in their wheelhouse. Buying Marvel was one of those moves of, look, Disney is the company that's associated with princesses and we need to get out of that that realm purchasing marvel ended up changing the entire perception around disney as a company because like most people didn't even know that disney owned espn or at least the large largest chunk of espn right right and so getting into pro wrestling is a completely different field and uh because again suplex media said doesn't disney own espn i think they already have sports sports seasonal none of that is year-round they don't have a single um they don't have a single product. The NFL, the NBA, NHL, all the shit, all the stuff that runs on ESPN, all of that is seasonal. They're able right. to cycle all of that out. All of a sudden, it's like, bam, professional wrestling is going to run 52 weeks a year on our programming. And, and like nothing, none of those things are in a different place the next week. You know what I mean? Like they like football teams go to different things, but that's like 17 times. Like WWE is in a different place every single week. It's so different. It, it's such a it's and of course you know wwe would still continue to operate independently so it's not like it would be absorbed into disney but it is just a different structure than what disney has for anything else so i'd be curious to know if that were something that they were um if that's a field that disney's willing to tackle right, right. i don't know that if it is um comcast seems the most likely just to me because of the fact that comcast has that expenditure already comcast if anything, it's going to save Comcast money in a sense to pay the six, seven billion dollars to WWE. And because what their TV deals, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, chat, but the TV deals for WWE over five years total up about five billion dollars. Am I correct there? I believe when you combine Raw's deal, SmackDown's deal, and the Peacock deal, which are all five year deals that's a total of about $5 billion over that time period. Um, And so, again, just thinking about spending $7 billion total for that company. And uh, at that point, it's yours as Comcast. Like that, to me, um, makes, to me, a little more sense than literally anything else. Uh, when they're when they're already feeding so much money into WWE through those TV deals, um, because when you buy WWE, WWE's biggest source of income is the TV deals, and so you're gonna want those TV deals coming into it. And it, it's 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 a complicated measure, but either way, I just look at it as um, 
I don't know who's going to buy that company, but, uh, but it ain't going to be Tony Khan. Uh, and then, of course, there's there's Endeavor as well. A lot of people have said Endeavor. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be the cons, uh, but you also have to be willing to consider that Vince ain't going to just be like, because if Comcast brought in $7 billion to buy this company and Tony Khan was able to, to scrape together through with enough backing, Tony Khan and Chad Khan were able to scrape together $7 billion and 25 cents. Like they also have to assess uh, where the company <laughs> is uh, going to be at its strongest to continue to sustain. And I don't know who that's going to be under, and I don't know what they're going to consider in that. But I, I something tells me that I don't see them giving up that control to the cons. Right. I think that's it, a fantasy. And it's not just seven billion dollars, and then that's it. Like you got to keep going. Like you got to make WWE yes. make more money. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. <laughs> and, and so, I, but the one thing I have concern, and then we'll get back to AEW because this is still day after dynamite. The one thing I think about. There was a thing Eric Bischoff said back on his WWE Network uh, special he did that one time where he said, I'm really glad in the end that WCW was purchased by WWE because he was like, at the end of the day, I don't know that any other, like, he was like, if it had been purchased by like a major media company or anything along those lines, I don't know that I'd be sitting here talking to you about it on WWE Network. I'm glad that it was bought by a company that is about preserving the legacy of professional wrestling. And so I thought about that and I thought, ooh. Yeah. Thinking about major corporations, they have shut down shit like that. If it, yep. if they suddenly see, the no longer see the value in it it's gone like uh, whole ass divisions they're just like all right see you later we don't need that anymore and he's like whoa yeah so mm. yeah and i thought about like um you know i've mentioned on grapsity before i'm a big g4 fan i was a big tech tv fan more than g4 g4 and tech tv and of course comcast bought tech tv merged it with g4 ran it for a few years and then we're like actually it's done killing the whole thing and not only is it gone you can't find it again it like they erased all the content deleted the youtube channel all that stuff is gone right then they rebooted it last year but kind of missed the point on what made it special and then killed it again gone like it's that's it it's just dead and it's a major corporation it just goes into a vault you never hear about it again never going to talk about it again it's not preserved on anything they don't care they don't have any interest in lifting the fans up. That stuff is just gone. And uh, I think about how all the people who left Tech TV in G4 ended up starting up a new network in the mid-2000s called Revision 3. And they built this like online presence. They were doing all this streaming content. It was great, right? It got so big that Discovery ended up coming in and buying it. Discovery bought Revision 3, and slowly but surely, they lost control of it and weren't interested in keeping it going. They shut down Revision 3, killed all the content. You can't find anything from Revision 3 anymore. And so that's the worry I have with major corporations buying the stuff when it's not their primary focus because if they're out of it, that's it. Right. So trust me, it's who said save some for Phil Jesus. We have plenty to talk about because we haven't even scratched the surface on Stephanie, on Vince, on all of this stuff. Whew, there's going to be a lot to talk about. Uh, and... So, I want to get back into 
dynamite. All right. Because, uh, again, Los Angeles form, the Kia form, Inglewood, place that we used to see the Lakers play. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I love the look of that venue. I know it's not for everybody. I know some people look at it and go, eh, it looks like an old building. But, man, that shit is dope to me, man. <laughs> and, I, and I say this because, one, I grew up on the form, right? That's where, uh, that's where I saw Magic play. But also, the form uh, is – that's also where I, the first time I saw Shaq as a Laker, like thinking about like, Shaq the Laker didn't make sense to me. I was used to Shaq the Magic, and he all of a sudden is a Laker, and he's playing at the form, and I remember just the visuals of the backdrop. But like I think about how today's venues – have a whole bunch of LED screens in the the audience. They've got the little band that surrounds it. You can usually put logos up on, which is great stuff. I get why visually you want that. But when you look at the form and they do that big zoom out and it's just a sea of people and you don't see any like bright logos or anything like that. You just see people. That's such a cool visual to me. And mm-hmm. nothing else looks like that. I still like the look of the form. I still think the form is really cool. And speaking of cool visuals, I have an AEW live complaint. One thing I've been to a lot of I've been to a lot of world wrestling entertainment shows more than anybody would like to 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 say. One thing that they do well at their live events when there's downtime, something is on the Titantron. Something's on the screen. AEW does zero. They don't show. Oh no, it's just Justin Roberts just in the ring talking about hey, how you guys doing? What uh, is this? Put up a highlight video, dude. Put you got <laughs> you got three years worth of footage. Make highlight videos and show them things, man. Why are we watching Dasha run around? Why is Justin Roberts trying to tell jokes with people in the front row? I don't care about that. Dude, put something on these screens while there's downtime. What is going on, Tony Connor? Yeah, you got footage. Oh yeah. Show me the Young Bucks kicking somebody. Show me something. Show me a match from Dark. Show me anything on this screen, dude. What is? You know on? what it's time for. It's time for AEW Kiss Cam. I might want to take it all back. I might want to take it all, all back. That's when they put up that fucking Hogan pose off thing in WWE. I wanted to fight somebody. I'm like, take this shit off the screen. Man. There's a line. And they play the music too. They play the music too. But yeah, I I mean, look, there there is just during the downtime, it is a little weird. I mean, I I think it's it's interesting, right? Because I've sat front row at those shows, and it is kind of fun when like Dasha will come over and and mess with people, and and Justin Roberts will. For y'all down there, not for the people up here. In the, in the bills, they can't get a high I know from Justin Roberts way up here. Yeah, I can see that. They definitely got to do something with the downtime. But yeah, they do have the video packages now. See if anything. So you know how before the show starts, they run row two um, on the Tron. And I think that's always been a good idea to me because it's like, hey, let's show the audience. Let's remind them of why all of these matches are taking place. Let's show them the build up to these. That's a thing that if you've never been to an AEW show, before the show starts, they play all of road two to get you hyped for the what you're about to watch. That's a good idea. I think that, and Road 2 is kind of broken up into segments, so what I would do in that is just run those Road 2 segments during the breaks. I think yes, that's perfect. That's probably a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. Especially for like what's upcoming, maybe. If like, mm-hmm. you know, right before the, um, 
whatever the Jericho Appreciation Society segment's going to be or whatever, you can run just the package of, of that just to keep people going. Um, that's probably a good way to do that. Anyway, uh, let's see. CBD's Nuts says, what up, dudes? Uh, what up, my dudes? Uh, what a fantastic dynamite that unfortunately got overshadowed by the lack of Mercedes. Still have the sneaking suspicion that she still pops up in AEW uh, in the near future. Thoughts? I mean, yeah, we talked about that. I can see that. Um, Mike from Indeed says, good afternoon. Dynamite was dope. Adam Cole, baby. Um Hope you got dudes have a fantastic weekend. Put this towards twelve hours of gas in from Reg's car. <laughs> I didn't think of it as being twelve hours, Mike. Thanks. Now shout out to Mike though. That's not me. Yes. Uh and also Anime Otaku says, What about an all Pacific title for the women's division since uh could be good for the Joshi that can't stay in America? Um, you know, I've heard that idea before. I could see that. Yeah. Um and Deontay. Oh wait, hold on. No, Washington. <laughs> there he goes. It's Mr. Oh, Lambert. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Righteous My... Reg, how you doing? Hey, what's up, Jeremy? How you living over there, man? We just talking about some dynamite. Actually, we got into WWE. You probably heard. Yeah, this is WWE after day after WWE or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> it's Impact. It's day after Impact. Oh, day I know. of impact, baby. Like Everybody I said on day of impact, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I said on Twitter, I was uh, going to call this show instead to call it right before Rampage or RBR, and uh, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'm hosting RBR again, right? It's right before Rampage. Everybody's complimenting <laughs> my beard. I appreciate it. It's gonna. It's the winter. I'm got. Gotta let it grow. It keeps my face warm. Yeah. What's going on Good with you? Here. Not not a thing. I have to go do uh, I have to go do dad things here in a second. But you know I can't let day after dynamite pass without coming in and, and greeting everybody and yeah know, getting the pop. I'm here for the cheap pop, Will. I, I've got to do dad things here shortly too. Um, the, dad little... things after dad. It's crazy out here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, wow. I, I am feeling nervous, folks, because for the first time ever, my son. William Washington Jr. is going to be walking home today, and I don't know how I feel about this. And uh, he asked me as he was being dropped off at school today, he's like, can I walk home with my friend? And I went, yes. (laughs) And I'm letting it happen. And he and his friend are walking home together. It's not that far. It's like half a mile. But um, he just started at a new school. And uh, I'm just, I'm nervous. I don't, my gut feeling is that he's going to make the wrong turn. He <laughs> <laughs> just automatically forgets where he lives. <laughs> so there's, there's two turns you make into my subdivision. And uh, if you make the first turn, there's a different direction you have to go to get to my house. But they, the two turns look alike. And so I have a feeling he's going to make the first turn thinking it's the second and then go the wrong direction and then end up lost. And so I I think I'm going to walk outside and, like, meet him halfway. <laughs> so, <laughs> if, if so. Give him the benefit of the doubt first, yeah. at least. He don't have a cell phone. If he did, that'd be different. But, like, um, 
Well, well, okay, it, well if it's close and he makes a wrong turn and goes so like you can just step outside and like yell really loud and maybe he will right. hear your voice and then he can start traveling. Oh, for sure. Like, right. I mean, his school is so close. I said his school is half a mile away. Literally, if I step outside, I can hear his school bell ring every day. So like it's right. not that far, but it's it, it'll take time. Anyway, I'm not used to this and I'm nervous. I didn't let my daughter walk home till the fifth grade, but she went to a different school. Um He's in the third. I don't know. But then I was like, man, I was walking home from the second grade on to a house that nobody was in. Like, my parents were work. I got home by myself. And then uh, I just get home, turn on Power Rangers, and watch that and reruns of the Wonder Years and, like, all that shit. And nobody said anything. Like, oh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Well, I wish him the the best of luck. I hope he gets home. I wish you the best of luck because I know I know the dad feelings, the nervousness when anything like this comes up. So I hope he gets home safe. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you had an extra hour in your day, what is the first thing that you would do? Read a book, take a nap, play some video games, do something for a friend, volunteer. A lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time, but the question is, time for what? And if it was unlimited, how would you go about using it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important for you and to make it a priority. And therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is so valuable. It's gotten me through some tough times, really helped me reflect on things that are important, specifically with BetterHelp. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be the convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. This is so beneficial when you've got that crammed schedule and you can't even imagine finding that extra hour. You can do it all from home. Fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Fightful today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Fightful. It's so flexible and it can help you find that social sweet spot with BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp.com slash Fightful. Well, you have to keep us all updated. I will keep, yes, I will post just to Twitter. Hey, he got hope safe. Yeah, that's, if, that's all we need. And if I don't t- post anything, uh, feel free to panic, people. But <laughs> I, I am going to go do dad things, but I had to say hi. Reg, great to see you. Might be seeing more of you if we don't we don't have heat. We, we might have legit heat with each other. Possibly. Who knows? I don't know. Every day is a different day. We might Jeremy. be battling soon, Reg. <laughs> that's the word on the street, that we might be battling Definitely. Soon. We might. It's possible. Uh, We're going to see. It, it is possible. Guys, have a good show. Good luck with Grab Study tomorrow. Everyone watch Grab Study tomorrow. It is tomorrow, right? It is yes. Tomorrow, Saturday? Okay. Mm-hmm. Making sure my – I don't have date. I don't know days around here. Bye, everyone. Peace. By the way, this is the thing I'm, like, really annoyed at myself by about everything that ended up delaying the Fightful Awards. So you may recall that we scheduled this on the, the 12th. Uh, that was yesterday, and it ended up not happening. Sean had an original idea of the 19th, and 
I said, no, let's do it on the 12th. And the reason I said, no, let's do it on the 12th is because I have Day After Dynamite on the 19th. I have Ask Grapsity on the 19th. And then I would have to then immediately jump into Fightful Awards. I said, let's do it on the 12th. And we ended up having to move it to the 19th. Which means I have Day After Dynamite followed by Ask Grapsity followed by... <laughs> The Fightful Awards. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I I own all of that. It's all my fault. Um, nobody else wanted to put it on me, but the, it's 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 my fault. Um, the technical difficulties, all of that stuff, it, it blame me. Um, so <sighs> that, <laughs> that that's going to be a long Thursday of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be – I already have a, a dry throat now and – but Deontay says, Adam Cole, baby. Jay White versus Adam Cole for Forbidden Door is a must. Good to see the boys as always. Great dynamite. Today is sweet as honey right now. Much love, fam. Very excited for the next few weeks. Um, I mean, that would be a good one, depending on what's going to happen with Jay White, because there's lots of rumors floating around. Uh, of course, the one being that Jay White is soon to be done with uh a with new japan that was a story was that this select. week man that was this i week? know that that feels like 10 oh. years ago but Jeez. that was uh he's reportedly done soon and wwe ha- does believe that they can sign him they do believe that uh they have the resources to get that man in interesting <laughs> so we shall see uh let's see we got all right let's uh the show though kicked off john moxley versus hangman adam page which was friggin awesome i thought that uh these guys needed to i think they both felt like they needed to make up for what took place in the last match yeah um Big pop for both of these boys. Moxley got a big pop, and I was like, damn, that was huge. But then Pangman got a fucking monstrous pop. I was like, well, they really, really love Hangman. And a friend brought up a great point. She was like, um, Hangman, like, leaves. Like, we always want, we always miss Hangman because, like, due to sometimes it's unfortunate with injuries yeah. or other times he's, like, you know, being a dad. And so we miss him. So when he comes back, it's like, yeah, he's back. And this was another one of those times of, like, people have been craving Hangman. He came back, and the crowd was like, yo, what's up? It's Hangman. He's back in the building. And these guys really did. I mean, they I think they knew what was coming for the rest of the night, and they were like, we're about to kick this off and show them that we are two of the, of the MVPs of AEW, and they totally did it here. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about one quick thing, and I'm trying to pull it up now. Let's see. Because one thing that I think they were really good about for hitting the form twice in the span of a year mm-hmm. uh, was that a lot of guys who were on the last show weren't on this one. You guys, you, They gave that crowd a very different set of people. Like, um, you know, the last show had CM Punk and FTR versus Max Caster and the Gun Club. None of those guys wrestled on uh, Dynamite this week. Right. Um, Miro versus Johnny Elite. Again, neither. Hikaleo yeah. uh, and the Undisputed Elite. So you did get to see uh, Matt and Nick Jackson. They did wrestle. Um, and let's see. You did get to see Darby Allen. Mm-hmm. This versus Christian, Darby Allen, Matt Hardy, and Jurassic Express. You saw Jungle Boy and Darby Allen, but 
rest of those guys know. Uh, Wardlow versus J.D. Drake. Again, no Wardlow. Uh, or J.D. Drake. And you did see Tony Storm. You see Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. And then John Mox versus Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia didn't wrestle. So it was a lot of different guys from the last time. Uh, and Moxley versus... Um, Versus Hangman, like Hangman was not a guy you guys got to see last time, or you weren't at the show, but um, that the the forum got to see. So yeah, it, it was a big pop for him, and I think that there was this idea in the arena that they wanted to see Hangman get this victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember feeling the whole time like there's only a handful of people in AEW that I believe should ever be positioned to beat John Moxley. Right. I tweeted. John Moxley has only been pinned clean one time in AEW, and that was against CM Punk at All Out, which is probably something you'll never see again. Um, and <laughs> it's definitely not talked about. Although, uh, you know, I've, I've heard from people that that's a match that they thought was really good, and it's a shame that it's not talked about anymore. Um, but thinking about that match and how. That was John Moxley's first clean loss in AEW. Like, yeah, he lost to Archer in the Texas death match, but like, I mean, that's a fucking death match, right? And he wasn't pinned. That was a last man standing rules. But I thought if there's anybody else I could see on that roster who could pin John Moxley clean, it is Hangman Adam Page. Yep. This match was great from top to bottom. They really gave it to each other. And in the end, Hangman Adam Page won. He is the guy who beat John Moxley. He got to pin him clean. After the match was over, they ran a concussion angle. Yeah. I know some people aren't feeling great about that. I didn't like it. I didn't. I mind. hated it. I hated it, kind of honestly. I don't think. I'll tell you it. why. I'll tell you why I don't mind it. One, it's time for John Moxley to finally get some time off. That yes, man has true. been working consistently since January of 2022. Mm-hmm. And he was supposed to take a vacation after All Out. He didn't get to take his vacation. It's time for that man to take his vacation. Um, so he has a storyline out. I also, when you think about the fact that it was a lariat that took out Hangman. Mm-hmm. And Hangman's finisher in itself is a lariat. I got what they were going for and that the idea should be that, look, if a lariat is what took out the guy who does a lariat, what does a lariat do to that guy? Uh, to the other guy, right? Like, So I get kind of the idea that it was supposed to be that the buckshot lariat did to Moxley what Moxley's lariat did to Hangman. And, and we have heard a couple of stories about the Buckshot Lariat really rocking some we have. Of guys in real life. So, I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I got the story they were going for there that they were trying to tell. I, I saw somebody point out that maybe it wasn't the best idea to run that back-to-back with uh, the return of a guy from a concussion who's about to talk about his real-life concussions. Um, also, who knew that? Because... Uh, if you saw the run sheet, the very run sheet that um, that Excalibur referenced on commentary, I saw the run sheet, and it did just say TBD. Um, it did not; they did not tell anybody what this segment was going to be. Nobody knew. Commentary did not know on their sheet that they were about to see a Hangman Adam, or uh, sorry, an Adam Cole promo, and 
a lot of people weren't aware he was even there till he walked by them backstage coming out for his promo. He stayed hidden till it was time. And then as soon as it was time for his entrance, he starts walking past people and they're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Adam Cole is here. And uh, I liked Tony Schiavone in the ring. He says, I take no pleasure in introducing this next man. You know what's all about the boom. Mm-hmm. Shit was dope. I yeah. was... Uh, Monsters, Very happy. monster. I mean, Hangman got a pop, but this Adam Page, Adam Cole pop was crazy. Yeah, we're gonna keep doing that the rest of the show, I'm sure. <laughs> that was a pop. They they came unglued. You know what I thought about? I was gonna post this to Twitter, but then I knew I get a whole bunch of people in my mentions, and so this is one of those safer day after dynamite things where nobody cares, right? But I was gonna say that. Do you remember when? Adam Cole had that really sad entrance in WWE where he um, he was out to face Seth Rollins on a Raw as NXT champion. Mm-hmm. It was in 2019, I think November of 2019. And I don't remember what crowd it was, but it was a really, really sad reaction. It was like, shock, the system hits. And it's just dead silence. And then he comes out. He does the boom. Nobody does it with him. And then he does the Adam Cole, baby. And you hear like five people do it. Um, Literally, look up. If you've never seen it, people. Adam Cole, Raw entrance. It's the only time he ever entered on Raw. But it's really, really sad. And it reminded me because Raw crowds have been that sad lately. And so I just thought as soon as he got this reaction, crowd's going nuts and they're singing the theme song and he gets on the ring apron and he does the boom. It's super loud. Uh, and his Adam Cole Bay Bay is like just off the charts loud. Uh, I'm curious though, what city was that? I need to know. It's going to drive yeah, me nuts I, if I don't. I usually don't get into the, the Adam Cole shenanigans and the booms and all that shit because that's not really me. But this time on Wednesday, I was all in on all that shit. Yeah, I was. This return was uh, people have been waiting for it. That was Nassau Coliseum. That was in. Oh. That was on Long Island, New York. That crowd didn't give Adam Cole a reaction. Interesting. Hmm. That's wild. Because, like, the week prior when he faced Brian Danielson in Buffalo, he got a reaction. But in th- at that Nassau Coliseum show, it is a sad reaction. Again, look up Adam Cole entrance Raw. And I think the thumbnail is of Seth Rollins. But he was accompanied to the ring by Triple H, too. He got nothing. Uh, and so I, I always think about that entrance every single time I see Adam Cole enter in front of a big crowd. And uh, everybody's doing his whole shtick. But he, of course... He cut a, a heartfelt promo about his injuries and how banged up he was and then how the concussion and how bad that was, how he couldn't fly on a plane, how you know he woke up with the, the night terrors, he vomited, all of that stuff, and uh, you know waking up next to Britt, all of that, and then he did the good news, bad news thing. He Very similar stole, to what... He stole Soraya's finish for sure. I was going to say, Soraya <laughs> did this exact same thing. But you know what? It's a case of, you know, when somebody steals a finish and does it better. Um, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, I think, got people really good because, as he said, and now for the bad news, and they all start booing because everybody's got the PTSD from Brian Danielson. Yeah. And, uh, like, you know what it looks like when somebody's standing in the middle of the ring with 
a brown jacket and is about to tell everybody that it's over. Is that what he was doing there, by the way? I just thought I about so. that. I think so, yeah. Now that I think why is, that, why, why is that just now hitting me? <laughs> That's what he you know, was doing. Because in the building, like, I exactly what you said is Brian Danielson, PTSD. When he's doing the promo, I'm like, don't tell me this is happening. You know, anytime they do that and you get to the bad news type shit, I'm like, this isn't fun for me, man. I don't like this shit. So, like, we were really biting on that. He got us good. Yeah. And, uh, but he does end up announcing that he yeah somebody the, the chat uh suplex media says it's the brown jacket swerve it's like mark henry has the 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 pink jacket swerve and you know when you see that that's what's happening and the brown jacket swerve is when uh somebody's going into retirement but adam cole uh he says that he's back and he it was a promo with some fire now granted mm-hmm. he did come out of the uh the left side he still entered as a heel so uh i do have questions about where does he fit on the show it doesn't seem like they want to position him as a heel what i'm thinking about is what's next for this man um because this man has been tied into well hear me out here this man has been tied to the bullet club out of the Bullet Club, he joins WWE, starts the Undisputed Era. He's tied to the Undisputed Era the whole time. He leaves WWE. And then even when Undisputed Era breaks up, his last feud is with Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, so, like, he was still tied to the Undisputed Era that entire time. He leaves WWE, jumps to AEW, joins the Elite, which is full of Bullet Club members that he was with before. Um, so, basically, resumed the Bullet Club, basically. Uh, and then his Undisputed Era mates also jump ship and join him in AEW. He starts the Undisputed Elite. I would love to see what this guy is capable of without any ties to Bullet Club, Elite, Undisputed Era, uh, The Kingdom, anything. What does a solo Adam Cole run look like where he's not feuding with former teammates, where he is on his own, against somebody fresh on the roster. What's it look like? I don't know. And I feel like I'm ready to finally see that out of him. Like, on one end, I think, hey, you could probably spice up the trio stuff if you did have Adam Cole reuniting with the kingdom because he's not getting getting Kyle O'Reilly back anytime soon. And Bobby Fish is, uh, where's the lie? So at this point, I'm like, uh, what do you do with Cole? And given how much fans were into this promo, I would like to see just him get a bit of a solo run for a bit and feud with some people on the roster that aren't tied to any of those others. Okay. I think that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, And something fresh for Adam Cole for his career. So I'm into it. That's how I see that. Uh, Who, who's he gonna Who's he gonna feud with though? From here, that's I, that's what I've been kind of thinking. Like, who are the big heels that kind of could be? Hmm. Huh? Hmm. I don't know. Well, I hate to give this answer, Reg, because <laughs> you're gonna hate it. But you know what? After 
Ricky Starks is one. They're done with Jericho. Oh, you know, God. you can't be a hot up and coming baby face in uh, AEW <laughs> without a feud no. with Chris Jericho. <laughs> gonna go on way too long jericho don't know how to end shit hey but somebody brought up in the chat that's a good one ethan page is i think a good oh, yeah. start for like him that. i would love to see ethan page i think that samoa joe that's also a good one yeah samoa joe is a good one um there are places you can go but yeah i think ethan page honestly is not tied up with things he's he was getting good heat with silkley yeah. i think that's a good one ethan that page one. thank you who, who just mm-hmm. said that stefan bridges um i think that uh that that's a good one roosh is another one i'm seeing people mention that's a good one there are places you can go that you can get some dope matches out of uh adam cole with so yeah there's options actually there's options for him to have a good singles feud um i'm seeing miro brought up uh although if now i don't know miro right now just because if the issue was uh miro didn't want to lose i think cole's got a He's got to win. Oh, or Jeff Jarrett. There's, there's a good one. <laughs> Honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I might be all in on Jeff Jarrett. Oh, Bro, no, when he came out live, I was like, hey, man, I get it, dude. Like, no, he, like, gets genuine heat. It's real, dude. Like, it's like, we really, I don't know what it is. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he finessed the game for so long. But it's something about that double J, man. He just really gives it up. Yeah. (laughs) Either way, (laughs) there are options for a babyface Adam Cole that I think you can go with and have a meaningful feud. Um, But, yeah, I I would like to see Ethan Page. I would like to see – because I feel like they've kind of lost his momentum since he was doing pretty well and all that stuff. And he had a match with Brian two weeks ago, and we haven't seen him since. Uh, on TV, obviously he's been doing the stuff with Matt Hardy, but I think there's something there. I think that's a good one. Stick with Ethan Page, yep, Tony Khan, if you're watching Ethan Page. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we had tag match uh, that saw the team of Jungle Hook taking on Lee Moriarty and Big Bill. I know some people are kind of down on the name Big Bill. Mm-hmm. I think. It's a better name than W. Morrissey, and I say yes. that as a guy whose name starts with W, and it's never, because W is three syllables, it's never the shorter way to go for anybody's name, unless your name is three syllables. But even still, it just it's more complicated to say. Uh, I think he could probably keep Morrissey, though. Like, I think there's a mix. Like, if he just went by Big Bill Morrissey, I think that's not bad. Bill um, Morrissey sounds much better than W. Morrissey. W. Morrissey just doesn't sound good. Yeah, I don't like that name. I think, honestly, like I would go with Big Bill Morrissey, and that's <laughs> that's where I would go with it. Um, either way, the so the big pop of this match was, of course, Hook hitting <laughs> T-Bone. <laughs> hitting a T-Bone on, and yeah. it looked great. It looked it great. Like the, the, the look mm-hmm. on uh, Amorsi's face looked good. Mm-hmm. I liked it. The tease and everything. Like, yeah, yeah. like it was, it was uh, a, perp- I didn't, I didn't think like just like a regular T-bone suplex would be, get 
garner that reaction. But, you know, people love Hook. They want to see him slam people. And to see him slam a big old fool like Big Bill was uh, perfect. I would love to see the minutes by minutes on this show because I did look at the quarter hours for Dynamite. And mm-hmm. I thought that it looks like this quarter did really well for the show. <laughs> and yeah. I'm curious... I need to know minute by minute. Is it was it because of this match or was it something else that happened in the quarter? But either way, this was a good quarter for the show. Uh, and JP then, and Hook, man, you know the demo is going to go up when them boys on TV. Yeah, I'm wondering <laughs> if that's what it was. I'll be perfectly honest here. Uh, well, these are on TV, and so we've got uh, the next segment. Is already generating the Humper Chats and the Super Chats. Uh, It was... Uh, I forgot. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about this. Mm -hmm. All right. So, uh, because a lot of people are feeling a certain way about certain things out of MJF's title run. So, because we got this Humper Chat. Pablo says, I bet Jericho set up the Ken Jong email or email cameo with uh, MJF. When Jericho was on The Masked Singer recently, Ken said he's a longtime wrestling fan and has loved Jericho since the WCW days. Tony made King Jong uh, an AEW or an LA Dynamite regular. And then he also says, uh, I agree with your company size scope argument, but also Vinnie Mac has a long track record of acting bitterly toward current competitive wrestling companies. Even if the cons offered him the most money and control, he'd feel like it's an L. There's that too. Uh, I don't think right. he would want to. Mm-mm. Um, like I say, even if it was twenty five cents more, he's not going to do it. Right. Uh, all right. So this segment, I get what it was going for. I'll start with that piece. Yeah. That, um, and it, the, my issue is that if you're not online enough, I don't know that. Uh, but again. Like if you're in MJF shoes, like do you, do you really care because you're just out here to get heat? Um, so of course it started with Kanosuke Takeshita in the ring, and Takeshita says that or no, see he's just in the ring and he's interrupted by MJF and MJF gets on the mic and uh, he starts going in on Takeshita, but the things he's going in on are all things that one Disco Inferno was saying this week. Uh, and so, because Caden says here, hated the MGF promo, don't need the racism. And yeah, so of course he goes after um, Takeshita's name and talks about the fact that he doesn't speak any English. And so I got what the motivation here was. Because ultimately with Takeshita telling MJF to kiss his ass and making MJF look bad, I think the... The goal here was Takeshita was not able to fire back on all of the stuff Disco Inferno was saying, which was all of that same stuff. Um, and Jim Cornette said it too. Jim Cornette calls him Takeshita. And uh, the and Disco Inferno said this week that Takeshita won't have any success because he doesn't speak English. And so he literally took those two points that two dumbass podcasters throw at um, Takeshita as a limitation and allowed Takeshita to have a comeback on them because he's if Takeshita just comes back at them on Twitter, it's one thing, but like to actually get to address those points and then fire back at them, 
I think that's what the segment was going for. So I got that, but I also took a step back and went, but if you don't, um, because that's a very online thing. That's a very like, ooh, that's probably for about 1% of the audience, and I just happen to be that. Uh, My thing is just like you're okay. The, the say you achieved your goal. Your goal was or whatever it was to dunk on Disco Inferno. Who gives a shit about Disco Inferno? We shouldn't care about <laughs> anything this fucking loser has to say. Like, oh yeah, we got him. We really showed this fool. We showed him. We don't need that. It was just like when they were doing the fucking Dan Lambert stuff. We don't need it. We don't want it. Even the people that right, are online, it, it, I'm on online. I don't want it. Yeah, because Dan Lambert stuff was meant to to give a give a voice to the Jim Cornettes of the world and then shut them down. Like, oh yeah, Jim Cornette says all of this, and now uh, we have a guy who says the same things, and we're beating his ass on TV because like that was the way that was what happened the first time, right? Dan Lambert came out, he basically cut a Jim Cornette promo, and then Lance Archer comes out and uh, hits him with. Um, what the hell is the name of his finisher? Blackout. Uh, and so I got what this was because a lot of people were going in on Disco when he said all of these things. And like um, even Don Callis, Don Callis was kind of the main one who was defending Takeshita and is like, nobody ever paid to see a Disco Inferno match because Disco is even still out there tweeting. And don't engage this man, guys, um, because that's what he wants. But he's out there saying like... Uh, He's like AEW fans mad because four to six mil or four to six million more people were watching me when I was on TV than watch AEW Dynamite, and I was like, there, "There's multiple things wrong with that statement." But you know why you know he doesn't believe that, guys. Everybody who's been going in on him and quote tweeting him, the reason you know he doesn't believe that is because that's also more people than who currently watch Roman Reigns. He would never say that about Roman Reigns. He would never say he's a bigger star than Roman Reigns in a million years. But he knows that he can get under AEW fans' skin with that. So he specifically targets AEW fans with that kind of stuff. But he would never say that he was a bigger draw than Roman Reigns. Even though, by his own stats that he's throwing out there, more people were watching him back then than Roman Reigns. Even though not a single person tuned into a show for Disco Inferno. As a matter of fact, I, I owe Disco Inferno a lot, to be honest. I do, because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have known to turn to Raw when it was time to do so, because literally when that music would hit, and this isn't me exaggerating, when I would hear Disco Fever, I'm like, all right, let's see what's going on on USA Network, and I would literally tune to Raw every time. I've never seen a Disco Inferno match to be able to say that I disliked him as a pro wrestler. Mm-mm. But either way, I got what this was supposed to be. That's the reason that he was even name-dropped last week by MJF. This was a a kind of a point of, okay, we know AEW fans have a contentious relationship with this guy, so let's borrow his heat by putting it on MJF. Um, But I think that it's way too niche of a thing, and it's not all that necessary. Um, And so... As far as MJF's reign is concerned overall, because Caden here says MJF's reign is kind of stinking to me, not working. Um... I do think that the last two promos in Seattle and Los Angeles, I think they're not bad promos in the sense that they're clearly working. They're clearly working with the audience. They're clearly getting massive amounts of heat. But I do think it's cheap. 
I do think that one of the things that was working about MJF was how compelling of a person he was. And, um, when, you know, he even, he even talked about in his, that last promo he was in LA for, and he said, I'm the only one here who makes you feel. And he did for a long time. And it seems like he's relying on a lot of the cheap stuff he did when he first started in AEW. He even used his, his old banging rats line and I knew he was going to say it. And, uh, it, it felt very cheap. Now, I get why you went with cheap heat here because you actually had some uh, some people in the front row to get some cheap heat off of, right? Mm-hmm. Like having Ken Jong in the the audience is something that they don't normally get to have. Uh, so getting to roast him about his canceled sitcom, and he's a wrestling fan. You knew he was kind of in on. I don't know if he's in on that, but it's one of those. He knows how this works. Freddie Prince Jr. literally used to write pro wrestling and praises MJF all the time on his podcast. You probably didn't have to talk to him about anything. It was literally a case of he knows what's up. He knows what we're doing here. And he got to blast um uh he got to blast Freddie Prince Jr. Again, it was cheap. It's heat. It it is Yeah, I don't know. I, I was definitely more into MJF in the summer for sure. Um I think uh Redmond brings up a good point in here. He's feuding with Brian Danielson, who is in a promo. Most of MJF's best promos were against Punk, who was a great promo. So he had a lot to respond. It was like a lot of give and take. Like here it's all giving because nobody's giving him back on the promos. And that might be throwing him off. But I think on top of that, people are upset at what I knew they were going to get upset at when MJF became champion because he's never going to defend the belt. He's going to defend the belt like six times throughout his whole reign. And it's going to be mostly promos. Hmm. If you got to fill promos every single week, it's way easier to do cheap heat promos than it is to do these personal like promos well, of the year. You know what I mean? You know, what's interesting though. I feel like this is kind of an old wrestling trope because I see, um, Caden says in the chat, he says, I feel your world champion shouldn't need cheap heat. Um, so you say that, but then I think about cases where, you know, who relied on cheap heat a lot, CM Punk as world champion. Um, through his first reign, there was some compelling stuff there where he was Mr. Straight Edge and he was telling everybody, look, Jeff Hardy's not your hero. I'm your hero and all of that stuff. That was compelling stuff. And then remember when he turned heel in 2012 and uh, it was right. He, so he had been a baby face for half of his title run. And then he turned heel on John Cena and started cutting promos on the local sports teams and... I remember I used to make fun of the fact that CM Punk, I was like, damn it, he's regressed into you people promos. Every time somebody starts a promo with you people, it always drives me nuts because I'm like, that's a, that's such a trope. That's such a easy one to go to as a heel. But CM mm-hmm. Punk relied on that a lot until it came time for the Rock feud because he kind of knew like, okay, at least I don't need that against the Rock. And then because everybody always cites that Rock promo of, uh, oh, yeah, CM Punk really took it to the rock. The interesting thing about that, though, was that Punk was not cutting those promos prior to that. That's why that promo stood out, because Punk was just like, you know, you people, you cheer, you're LA Lakers, but they're a bunch of frauds. And, like, that's, uh, and, and again, it, it's cheap heat, but I get it. I get why you go there, because if you have a heel that's essentially seen as cool to the audience and mjf through a lot of the summer was seen as that and uh and through the fall 
he was he got cheered at um at full gear right and like punk had that same problem where he was getting cheered he was a baby face and they had to turn him and it's like how do you get these crowds to boo him uh you gotta go the cheap route mm-hmm. and uh yeah i don't know i i get why it's done but it also feels like exactly that it feels right. cheap it's cheap yeah so um because there are people who have pulled off cheap heat well you know obviously redmond brings up hollywood rock that rock. was some of the best cheap heat of of all time right mm-hmm. <laughs> the finally the rock has come back to run his mouth on all your candy asses like that shit is amazing <laughs> That Hollywood rock concert, that all was just cheap heat. Like he'd say, got a guitar and sang cheap heat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so uh, I'm hoping that, because like, you know, you mentioned Brian not being like a promo guy, but like some of the best stuff Brian's ever done has been his promos. I'm hoping that they do eventually find a personal way to take this feud and uh, do allow him and Brian to get to kind of square off on the mic. Because... Yeah, the the crowds are at least responding to it, so it's hard to say it's not working. Like when right. I keep seeing from people on Twitter they're saying this this rain's not working, this rain's not working. You can't really say that because like um, the crowds are responding and the ratings. Like I know Punk threw the overall ratings under MJF at him, but MJF's individual segments are still kind of the highest of those shows. Mm-hmm. So like. I, it's hard to say that it's not working. Is it? Is it compelling? Is the question. And no, I don't feel it's compelling. And I think mm-hmm. that's where it needs some work. Um, right. And yeah, as far as the racism stuff is concerned, uh, again, he threw old Japanese tropes at people, and he he was literally quoting the same people he mentioned last week in the promo. And I think that uh, I think it's it's too online, in a sense. Takeshita should have punched him in the mouth as soon as he started talking that shit. Anytime you let yeah. someone talk shit about you and then you just don't do anything, that makes you look weak. I mean, so I, I thought Takeshita hit If he started talking shit and he just fucking punched him immediately, that's how you do that shit. I think. I feel like Takeshita hitting him with the kiss my ass and MJF selling it like he was just told the worst thing on earth, I think, was supposed to be that. I think mm-hmm. uh, because Takeshita said it clear as day, right? It was like... Uh, and the thing I liked, by the way, Shout out to the fans at the forum. But when Takeshita started speaking Japanese, I don't know what he said, but they popped. There wasn't a what chant or nothing. They popped huge for whatever it was, and I loved that. I loved that it was a support of who he is. Mm -hmm. And then he has a match with Brian Danielson. I am jealous of everybody who got to be there for that, media man everybody's talking shit about this MJF reign. And I'm like, this MJF reign had me see that match. And I'm going to see him and Bandito, him and Brian Danielson and Bandito next week. This MJF feud is great. It's, <laughs> it's already produced some amazing content and I can just imagine what else is going to be there. But yeah, this match was everything you wanted it to be. It's Brian Danielson, greatest wrestler of our generation against one of the hottest wrestlers in the whole world. Takeshita is just like, you have to see this guy to believe it. Every time he has a performance, he has so much heart. His strikes are incredible. His slams are amazing. And to put that in with anything that Brian Danielson does, they gave us the match we wanted. It was hard hitting. 
it was fucking strong style. They're throwing each other. They're doing wild shit, scary. Anytime. Sometimes Brian has those matches where you remember that he was out retired for a while and you're like i had that thought there There was one place he (laughs) fell uh, there was one spot on the outside where i was like yeah i thought oh no 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 it was that whatever they they like missed a spot or whatever he like drove off and i guess takeshi was Uh supposed to catch him maybe and he didn't and uh, yeah it's just like oh no like any moment you feel could be the moment for brian which kind of sucks and I just want to stop that because he's been doing great. Everything's been amazing. And um, they got everything you would need. The crowd was in for the whole thing. Shows you that you could tell a story with wrestling. They keep saying, well, why is Takeshi on? He never wins and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's not about winning, dude. It's about doing exactly what he did here. He showed the world that he can keep up with one of the best wrestlers in the world. And the point of this whole thing is for Brian Danielson to get to MJF and the Iron Man match. So, of course, he's going to win. It's not about the win. Show Speaking not of which, win. next week. Mm. <laughs> you might have, I mean, to, you the... might have to get me on Di- Day After Dynamite again because I'm writing down to Fresno to watch Brian Danielson and Bandito tear the goddamn roof off this place. Yeah. Oh, by the way, they updated all of the posters for the shows because uh, I noticed that the Dynamite poster for the la still had like the old graphics and they finally just updated all of them um i'm interested in what ends up being on that fresno card because uh front and center on the updated version of the poster front and center is kenny omega why why did you put together a brand new poster and put kenny front and center on it I'm wondering what ends up being announced uh, that involves him. Because usually when they update the posters closer to, it usually involves people on the card. Like they added Adam Cole to it. And like they, they, it's a very updated poster. It looks like something for next week's show for sure. But why? Huh. Hmm. Who's Kenny Wrestling? And the bu- are the Bucks on it? Yes. Okay. The Bucks are on it, but they're not together. Like in the post, usually they'll put the three of them together, but literally front and center on the poster. I'm going to put this on the screen, as a matter of fact, because I am just a little bit curious. Uh, let me. There's a way to. There's a trick, by the way, on AEW's website because they use Wix, and if you know how Wix works, um, you, there's a way to get high res images off of their site. Uh, but next week's show, you ready for it? Mm-hmm. Front and center is Kenneth Omega. Look at that. Oh, no. Why? Why huh. is that? Hmm. Interesting. What's wow. he going to do? Mm-hmm. So, we talked a lot about the women's tag match already, but yeah. uh, we'll still talk about just a little bit more. Um, obviously, I think. A lot of people were anticipating that there was going to be a negative reaction for Tony. Um, I feel like there there kind of was, um, but more so, I think it was in favor of Jamie Hader and not so much. That's it. Yeah, because like every time mm-hmm. Jamie did stuff, they they absolutely cheered. Uh, and I don't know. I'm kind of ready for the swap anyway. It is time to turn Jamie. 
Um, and yeah, you want to? We've been talking about pops all the all show. You want to talk about pops? Jamie Hader is over like Rover, my boy. And it's been funny because we've seen a pattern of this with AEW Women's Champions. We've seen people be excited about the AEW, some woman winning the belt. She wins the belt two weeks later. People hate her. Jamie Hader, exact opposite. She's getting hotter every single week. These crowds want her so bad when her music hits it's like it's you talked about it a few weeks ago about how you know how she came up in her homegrownness and she's the closest to becky lynch that the aw has and i saw it dude like it's it's real she's fucking over yeah they love it they love her of course yeah the reaction to there not being mercedes there uh mm. definitely was yeah. felt um yeah. because if you turn to twitter that was like all the focus was on uh, mm -hmm. The next segment didn't really hit for me. You want to talk about segments that didn't hit. Uh, Jericho Appreciation Society. Um, Thumbs down. <laughs> uh, how was singing Judas, though? <laughs> you know, I was face first with a urinal as Judas was playing <laughs> at the background. That's, I told you. Is that not the time to go, though? There's no lines. You get, If you got to... If you know everybody's gonna want to sing their Judas out their heart, like go hit a merch table, get anything you need to get. You ain't gonna see no lines. You need to get food. Do it during Judas. If you've been there yeah. for Judas once, you've 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 experienced Judas. Uh, mm -hmm. And so there's. I don't know why we needed every single member of the Jericho Appreciation Society to talk. I don't. I, what was this? They could have. We the, the whole thing was to get to Ricky Starks and Jack Swagger. That's not his name. Jake Hager. We could have did this backstage segment in thirteen seconds, and it makes <laughs> and you know me the, even more mad because they fucking rushed the main event. We could have got ten extra minutes minus this bullshit ass promo that we had to listen to. And not just that, but they accidentally ran this out of order because they played the graphics for all of next week's matches. Where they showed Ricky Starks versus Jake Hager announced. Before. Yeah, I know, but they, but that match was made in this segment. So like you hear Excalibur oh, scramble, good. like Excalibur scrambles really quick on commentary. He's like, uh, as Ricky Starks is making the challenge, Excalibur goes. Ricky Starks already went to Tony Khan before this, and like he like <laughs> squeezes it in really quick. It's like Ricky Starks takes a like a pause and <laughs> Excalibur just like Ricky Starks with the Tony Khan before this and asked for the match already. So it was already made. And that was Awful. I was like, uh, good recovery Excalibur. Mm -hmm. I do think Excalibur is the best at what he does, but man, I didn't know that they uh, did that. I was like, that really makes it even worse that we got to, Let's sit through this whole yeah. thing when they already fucking announced the match. Unreal. They had already announced the match. I think that was supposed to air afterward, and mm -hmm. they just they got those backwards. Yeah. But the Jericho, the stuff I didn't like here, um, kind of the same stuff a lot of people didn't like. I think Action Andretti's digs on um, on uh, Ty weren't unnecessary. Um, and I think that that's that's old shit. That's not shit. That uh, what was the point of like Action Andretti doesn't give off that energy. Why is he giving off that energy? This didn't even make sense. Probably because Jericho wrote it. But um, and uh, so I I didn't think that fit. 
And I think people thought that uh, when Ricky called, said to count Succula that he was still talking about Ty. I don't think he was. I think he was talking about Jericho being a leech. Like that. That's the thing he's been saying f- since beforehand. But you know, because then he told him to step aside, and uh, he count, he called out Jake Hager. But then he made fun of his lisp, and a lot of people thought, and I can kind of agree, like. Again, low-hanging fruit. Like, this is kind of the thing that you were talking about uh, MJF for. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't feel like any of this worked. I'm glad Jericho versus Ricky Starks works as a match and is yes. and was a very good match, and these two match up well. Um, but I don't want to see this beyond Revolution, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, the main event, though. Which was rushed. I wasn't wasn't watching my clock as it was happening, but people were like, oh, they they were doing the entrances at 942 or whatever, 42 after the hour or some shit. And people, so everybody knew it was going to be rushed, but I didn't. I was just excited about the match. Did it feel like that watching it on TV? Um, I mean, I was looking at the clock like, how much time is this main event going to get? Because uh, it, it, it didn't seem like there were going to that there was going to be enough time to do whatever this match was setting out to do um right. i will say with the new stage and everything that their entrance looks amazing uh, i like the new stage a lot and i think the main thing i like about the new stage so it's what seven screens um right and so being that it's seven screens there's it's it's interesting to me because You've seen how, like, I think Britt Baker's entrance is the best example where when Britt Baker's entrance kicks in, um, the the x-ray of the, the jaw will show up on the screen, but it, it's on all seven screens, so it looks like one screen. And then when her music kicks in, then you see different things on each screen. I think that's a cool way to play around with it where it's like, it's it feels like multiple elements even though it's all just screens, but because they're seven screens that are separated from each other, you can do things with it that make it feel like a full-on actual stage and i think that's kind of cool uh but i like the way the the elites entrance hit and death triangle made theirs their last entrance as trio's champions could they turn back being defeated uh and obviously blowing a 3-1 lead no they could not but man this was just a blast uh, and to complete the full-on story of what they were trying to do, there were a couple spots here that were just insanity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> first scared. off, th- I was scared for a few of them. Matt Jackson, or Nick Jackson on the ladder, uh, hitting his ass on the ladder. I was like, he broke his fucking tailbone. There's no fucking yes. way he didn't. There's no way to not get hurt doing that. <laughs> yeah. So Nick Jackson does that. You also had Kenny. So there's a really brilliant spot where... um, (laughs) So Pac is on the outside uh, sitting on the table and Kenny goes to do his dive over the top and Pac moves out of the way. Kenny crashes hard through that table and Pac goes to rest on the other table and then Matt dives onto him from there. It was so quick. It was so good. Um, This was... Just a fun, fun match. It had me on the edge of my seat through 
to everything and uh you know kenny hits the one winged angel off of ray phoenix uh onto the ground and then pat goes to hit the black arrow kenny brings the knees up climbs retrieves the belt carry on my wayward son dave Meltzer five star this match um which i want to see some stats is that the shortest five star match out there i'm curious uh and because it wasn't very long but we have new trios champs there's a lot of potential here mm-hmm. i know a lot of people wanted to see death triangle win i think there's more stories to tell with the heel side of things i think that they're clearly building up house of black to do something the the way that they targeted brandon cutler i don't think was for nothing i think that they're headed toward the elite next I liked it. I like this dynamite. This was kind yeah. of an all timer dynamite. I thought this was this one of was the, a, the best show. A great show. I can't believe that I got to be in attendance for it. It's crazy. Like being in it, like I was thinking about because I watched the Adam Cole video online and the the fucking pop was massive. And it it's crazy to be in that, like living in that that pop because I guess since I was so super excited, it didn't seem as huge, but it was giant. But like when you're in it, it's a different feeling. One thing is you just got to get to a pro wrestling show if you haven't been to a pro wrestling show because they're amazing. Actually, get to an AEW show, sorry, because the other guys aren't pro wrestling, whatever, whatever. whatever. The, the, well, hey, 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 you can't say that. <laughs> no, because honestly, I'm thinking about going to sports entertainment. A, there, there is a WWE house show coming here. Uh, oh, in do March. not go to that. Absolutely not. Do not go to a house show. <laughs> I'm thinking of taking my kids to a house show. Oh, God, please don't. Like, they're cheap, and I'll say that they're fun. I do do think that house shows are fun. And I want to read the rest of the Super Chats, though, because we got a whole bunch to get through. Graham B says, what's your percentage of ketchup on hot dogs? (laughs) Um, I don't know. 40%. I want more hot dog than ketchup. Uh, Where do you think Ibushi ends up? Ooh, I don't know. Um, yeah. I would love to see him with Kenny again, and I don't know where that ends up. Is that AEW? Is that back in New Japan? Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. We got uh, JB Love says, had the good fortune to be in a ringside section at the forum. I'm the big blue hoodie who stands up too much, LOL. Oh, I saw people pointing this guy out on uh, Twitter. They were like, hey, sit down. I saw that a lot on uh, uh, Twitter, actually. Uh, so the shout out to the big blue hoodie guy. I didn't know you were uh, a Fightful viewer. That's great. Uh, and it was a life highlight. And I can uh, second the recommendation to tune in for Ruby and Willow tonight. All right. Yo, JB, JB, fuck those people. Keep standing up and having a great time. Have a great time. Honestly, enjoy your stuff. You know, obviously sit down if somebody tells you to, but if like you're good, you're good. If you're enjoying the show, enjoy the show. Chris Rain says, uh, that's that is my one complaint too. Also, not all the backstage promos play in the arena. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know why they course. do that. Yeah, uh, I think it's kind of a pick and choose kind of thing. Uh, Lord Zypher says, would you guys rather see Hobbs win the Face of the Revolution ladder match or see him face off against Darby for the title at the show? Ooh, good Darby question. Darby for title for me. You just want to see it straight up for the title? Okay. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, JB Love says, one thing we discussed was that there weren't a lot of clear face versus heel matches. We ended up cheering for both sides a lot. At least we could boo JAS. Um, yeah, first match was face versus face. But Moxley was really playing the heel. He flipped you guys off. Um, yeah. And uh, as soon as you heard a cowboy shit chant. And, uh, you know, I'd say the main event, like the elite are supposed to be the baby faces. But I will say in Los Angeles with the... With that crowd, nah, uh, Death Triangle got to be. The elite were definitely booed in LA. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah. Against Luchadors. Yes. So, um, and then of course, Brian and Takeshita, same deal, baby faces. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can I can see that for sure. Uh, Chris Watson says, I want to hear your thoughts after listening to uh, For the Trap by 64.5 AR. Uh, I can't listen to it without busting out laughing because it's so damn bad. I don't know what that is, and that sounds like I don't want to know what that is. I haven't listened to it. Uh, let's see. Albert Ponce says, uh, I can see a scenario where New Japan told TK you can use Mercedes, but she competes here first. Britt drops the line to set things up down the line. Maybe. Um, maybe that's the case. I don't know. I, I truly don't know anymore. So that's that's the one thing I'm sticking with. Gotham Guy says, even though I wanted Mercedes to appear, I still enjoy the tag match. This will be a good jumping off point for Sheeta's eventual heel turn. It builds storyline or storytelling, which is what people say AEW lacks. I mean, look, nobody who's actually watching the show says that. But um, as far as uh, Sheeta's concerned, I'm interested in heel Sheeta. I want to see heel Sheeta um, mm-hmm. because I think Sheeta is a badass. She's my favorite wrestler. And um, look, it's been four years of babyface Sheeta. I'm ready for a change. Let's let's see it shaken up. I think everybody deserves a good heel run. Uh, Gotham guy says, by the way, I'm so glad Sheeta threw the kendo stick right in the middle. Otherwise, it would have undermined the ambiguity of who it was meant for. Um, Yeah, I'm glad she threw it in the middle too because I don't think she should be siding with Brit. I think it should be a case of uh, Soraya and Tony mm-hmm. just represent outsiders. Like, obviously, right. Sheeta is still... You know, Britt and Sheeta are still mortal enemies. They've had three matches against each other in AEW. These two do not get along. But, look, Soraya and Tony represent the outsiders who have been taking these spots. And Mm -hmm. I am done with that. I can see that as a character thing. Um, Suplex Media says, great shows, gentlemen. Thanks for making the wrestling world a better place. Be safe. Take care. Thank you, Suplex Media. I always appreciate Appreciate that. Chi-Town Spurs says, the thing that really bugged me here was after Takeshita supposedly gets his comeback in on Max, he's then forced to stand ringside as he talked for 10 more minutes. Yeah, they probably could have changed the order up of those. Um, but honestly, I don't know how you get the digs in on the celebrities in front while Takeshita just stands there. You probably could have reversed them, though. I think that would have been a better idea. Derek Gordon says, I think MJF is doing what he has to do to not get cheered. If the face he's going against isn't over, he will get cheered. Um, layered MJF gets cheered. Broadway Joe says, three weeks ago, everyone was begging to cheer this guy. Now people are sick of him. If the goal was to entrench him as a heel, he's done a good job, even if everything's not for me. It's a good way to look at it. Um, And again, at the end of the day, it's all pro wrestling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Graham B says, I shit my pants on that Falcon Arrow. A lot of scary things in that match. A lot of scary things. Uh, and let's see. Sasha versus Statlander for the rights to face Jade. Thoughts from Michael? I don't know. 
I'm not putting any bets on any Mercedes matches anymore till she has her uh till she has her first New Japan match. Mm-hmm. Um I think I got all of them. So normally this is the point where I announce the ratings, but guess what? Everybody already knows them, so I'm just gonna say it. Uh and let me pull those up now. But let's see. So we have not that I don't already know what they are, but I just want to make sure I get them accurate. The ratings did a 967. This was the highest rating since October 26th, my birthday, um, which was the show in was that in Norfolk, Virginia, I want to say it was in. Uh, and yeah, did 967. And so that was on the higher end of the shows. Uh, did a .33, 18 to 49. And looking at the quarter hours, uh, pretty much it was kind of an up and down show. They did lose after the Saray, I mean, after the women's tag match. The ratings did drop a solid uh, 80,000 people. Woo! So, uh, and then it rose back up another like 20,000 after that. So, I don't know if that was a case of no Mercedes tuning out or if that Jericho Appreciation Society shit didn't hit. Um, I don't know, but it was that is the lowest quarter of the show is the quarter after the women's tag match. Nuts. All right. Sure some people well, tuned in for Sasha, you know, so I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, folks. Uh, I got a wrap. So that's it for this edition of Day After Dynamite. Tune in next Thursday for Righteous Reg. See us tomorrow. We'll be on Grapsity. See you next time. Have a great day. Peace. Peace, peace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.